start tonight with the set aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, help us to carry your message and glorify you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, today we are on We've covered the third step prayer last time, and I didn't do a meeting last Saturday because I had to go to the eight-year-old basketball uh, game, and that was it. that was fun. Uh, so I went through on page 63 the prayer and what the third step prayer decision and what the prayer means. And what I wanted to cover tonight is um, I don't have any opinion if you go on the internet and you look at four-step, uh, you can get a whole bunch of four-step, how to do a four-step, all sorts of uh, stuff. You go to treatment, they have these worksheets, this and that. I don't have any opinion on that. But AA has one set of directions for the four-step and they're on these pages. And I know this step works for me. It's very logically laid out. It's how to look at my thinking and see how it's been wrong my whole life. It's resulted in fear, anger, and bad actions. Now, if you want, you want, to, if you want to keep that as your way of living, then don't do this. But if you want to change, they lay it out how you look at your thinking so you can be free of anger, free of fear, and stop harming others. And it's an action, and the directions are very clear. And a lot of people think a fourth step is confession. They have to confess their sins. It may be it's confusing when you read step five in the big book, but the directions on step four are very clear. In the, in the step five, they say, don't hold anything back. But if you do the, the uh, if you follow the directions here, all, all of that will come out. Joe and Charlie said, that we really don't want to know how many times you robbed the bank. We just want to know why you robbed the bank. We don't want to know how many times you committed adultery, although you're probably tired, they said. But uh, we want to know why you did those things. What was your thinking? What was, what was going on? What was driving you? And so the fourth step is to lead us to be able to do amends in eight and nine, to see who we harmed, and be willing to make amends. The fourth step is designed for me to forgive everybody I've ever gotten angry at, to be free of fear, and to look at my relationships and how I was selfish and how I caused problems in the relationships and do I want to change the way I act in a relationship. They call it the sex inventory, but it could be relationships, but how I want to be, a sane sex ideal. And they say if you do that, you'll have a uh, beginning of a relationship with God. You'll feel the nearness of your Creator. And you'll, you'll have a new director. And you have tools now to work every day to, do, uh, to be free of all those uh, character defects. And then you list your character defects. And when you do the, I do columns four, five, and six. I'll go into that when we do our resentment inventory. But you look at all your character defects. So we made it simple. We give a card to everybody. And if you're listening, go on the site, experiencethebigbook.org, and go to Resources and Recovery, and you'll see the spiritual checklist. And, and you'll understand that when you're 
disturbed, you're on the wrong side of the column. You're in the side run by self. You're intolerant, inconsiderate, lustful, envious, impatient, angry, fearful. Uh, just go down the list. It's not pretty. And AA is really designed to practice what uh, is talked about in the New Testament. How you can renew your mind, how you can live a spiritual life, how you can live a connected life. I was listening to uh, John on the true vine and the vine dresser and the true vine and how the, the vines have to be pruned. And that's, and we need to be pruned and we prune it through letting God remove our character defects so they get less, they're still there, but so they're not as prominent. And it says on page 88, this is how God disciplines us when we finish the instructions for the step up to step 11. So we're trying to see what needs to be pruned in step four. We're learning prayers so God can start to change the way we see the world. And then we're gonna list our character defects, which we're gonna use in six and seven and practice every day. Does this make sense? And so it's, it's a very specific way of looking at it. So after the third step prayer, it says, this is only a beginning, the bottom of page 63. So the third step is not, is not the deal. The third step is a beginning, it's a decision. What's, what are you deciding in step three? I'm not gonna play God anymore. Why? Because it didn't work. And the other thing is when I play God, I'm disturbed. I'm on the wrong side, I'm in anger, fear, I take bad actions, and I don't wanna do that anymore. So if God's directing my life, then he's not, gonna, he's not gonna make me feel those emotions. Now, we're gonna feel these emotions. I got a long, a long email from somebody about uh, the spiritual axiom, that whenever we're disturbed, there's something wrong with us, and it was very erudite, very, very uh, sophisticated about the brain and the amygdala and the human emotions and all this stuff, which was great. But I keep it simple. If I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. I'm disturbed, and we're talking about self-centered disturbance, self-centered fear, self-centered anger. Then I'm, I'm disturbed and I don't wanna be disturbed. Anybody agree with that? It's a good way to live. Because when an alcoholic's disturbed, we're separated from God. We have no power not to drink, and we have no power to live. So it says, this is a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made, that's the key. Step three decision. If it's honestly and humbly made in effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. Now I felt a lot better when I asked God to help me 21 years ago, but I was not recovered. But I realized I couldn't do it. And that's a, that's a great relief. I just don't have the power to do it. That's it. And there is a power and I'm gonna seek them. And I made up my mind that I was gonna do whatever they told me. I was willing to go to any length. I had the desperation of a drowning man. I can't tell you how bad it was. Now I, was in, I went to this Menninger Treatment Center for you know doctors, you know, because we're so special. We're really sick. and. Uh, it was in Lawrence, and the lady there told me that she didn't think I had a chance of making it. Not a chance, and that really made me feel good. And uh, they put me on antidepressants because they put everybody on them, and I wouldn't take them because 
I was depressed, but it wasn't a uh, medical depression. It was self-induced depression from screwing up my life. And, and yet I'm here today. And, and God immediately put people in my life. Um, the, uh, when I got home, I went to the medical board. You know, they, were, they wanted to monitor me and help me. And the lady who was the secretary there, she said that her husband has been in AA a long time and he goes to that 2100 club. And I said, you know, I, I'm gonna, I went there last Saturday, I'm gonna go tomorrow. She said, well, that'll be great. And uh, I didn't know she sent her husband there. And uh, he talked and he made sense. And I needed a sponsor. And I don't know why. It's not my character. I went over him and I asked him if he would be my sponsor. And uh, that was Cliff and uh, he was great. He ran out of minutes on his phone. I called him so much first month or two. So we had a deal that I would call him on the way home because he was retired and I'd wake him up from his nap and then he could cook dinner. And he was great. He was, had a lot of wisdom. He was a very kind man. And I really relied on him. He became almost my higher power in the beginning because uh, he kept me straight. He would listen and he would make some comments on my thinking, which of course was I don't know if you remember, but it, when in the beginning, our thinking is really, I was full of fear. I don't think I could have had any more fear than I had. But anyway, it all worked out. And so uh, I felt better when I decided that I couldn't do it. I think that was the only thing that, that I, God, God really did that for me. He showed me I couldn't do it. I didn't wake up that day and say, I'm gonna give up. No, things just crashed in and I could see the truth that I could not do it. And that's the grace of God, I think, that all alcoholics get. Now, what we do with that will determine our recovery. Do we take that and we go and we keep sinking him? Or do we have that last for a little bit and then we get back in self? So when I work with the new guy, I'm really concerned that they get into the steps quickly usually more quickly than they think they need because I know if you're sober and you're not doing this, you don't have any, you don't have any power in your life. And so it says next. So the instructions are very specific. You're to do the third step. Now some people take a long time to do the third step, some don't. I suggest that you make the decision quickly because you don't have any power yet and you want to move out of this world where you're the center of it. That's what you're really deciding. You're going to move out of the world where I'm running the show. Anybody live in that world? Not pretty. It's not pretty. And, and we just read in 63 how it looks. And when you do your fourth step, you're going to look at the world you were living in, your anger, your fear, your selfish conduct. And so, Next, you launch on a course of vigorous action. And it's, it launches when they throw a boat into the water and they just launch and it goes zip right into the water and that's what we want. Now I see a lot of people who launch on a course of vigorous putting one foot in the, into the water and then maybe the second foot and then maybe they'll take a step deeper in the water. It's, now the longer you do that, the less vigorous it is, alcohol will come back, remember? 
we have a daily reprieve. Alcohol's just waiting. The ego's just waiting to regain control. So I want to take vigorous action to seeking God, not vigorous action staying in myself. And I didn't know any of this when I came in. I didn't know any of this. In fact, I, I didn't know the big book really till several years in. I started a meeting in my house, which we ended up in this room, and I met Mark here. And uh, that meeting's celebrating 19 years, I think, uh, soon. And um, I didn't really understand this till I listened to Joe and Charlie. It wasn't that I was bad. AA at that time in Topeka, I, I went to a lot of discussion meetings. I didn't understand the program. That might have been my own fault. I don't know, I'm not commenting it's good or bad, but when I listened to Joe and Charlie, I said, oh wow, where has this been? And it changed my life. I think I've probably been through this page, what, a thousand times, I don't even know. So launch on a course of vigorous action. So what is the vigorous action you have to do? Well, there's a first step. You have to do a personal house cleaning. See how complicated it is? Next, you're going to do vigorous action. And then the first is you're going to do a personal house key cleaning, which many of us have never attempted. I didn't even know I needed it. I thought everybody else's house needed to be cleaned. I mean, they had some real, real problems. And they caused all my problems, but it was me. Which many So what, what do they mean by a personal house cleaning? Where they're going to tell you in the next paragraph, you're going to do a personal inventory. I'm going to inventory my thinking, my mind, my life story as it appeared in my head. And we're only going to inventory the manifestations of my self-will. I'm going to see the manifestations, how my self-will looked when I used it in, in my life. So it says, though my decision was vital and crucial. Now, vitae means necessary for life. So it's necessary that you make this decision. But I heard somebody say, the third step decision without action is just fantasy. It's just, you just it's, it's a fantasy because nothing's gonna happen. Vital and crucial, it can have little permanent effect. You see what they're saying? unless at once followed a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking me. So I can make this decision, it's important. Now how will you know if you're working with someone if they've really made this decision and they're willing to go to any length and they have the desperation of a drowning man? They're gonna do what you suggest and they're gonna do it as quickly as they can and you're gonna suggest that they do exactly what's in the book. So and it's not gonna have any effect unless a strenuous effort to face. Notice the word vigorous, strenuous, crucial. To face and be rid of what? The things in me, in my head, that are blocking me from God. Now, remember they say the fundamental idea of God is deep down inside of all of us. It's blocked by what? Calamity, pomp, worship of other things of ourselves. It's in scripture, we block God out. God doesn't block us out, we block him out. And blocking me from his power, blocking me from his direction, dominating my life. The things in me, that, in my mind, that were dominating my thinking 
and it wasn't God. Liquor is but a symptom. We call it Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's really self-centered anonymous or narcissist anonymous or uh, personality disorder. Symptom, it's a symptom of my personality disorder. We're gonna look at my personality. And, and I think if you look, I haven't Googled it lately, but if you look at narcissistic personality disorder, there's very little uh, treatment for that that's effective. There are no medicines for it. Yet AA has come up with a 12-step program that can make people turn from self-centered to God-centered. Not perfectly, but they can, and they want, and you can see it. You can feel it in the rooms when people are really working the steps together. You can feel it. You can feel the spiritual power. You can feel God in the room. That's why I like to, I like to be around people in AA, because we have a common peril. We have a common bond. We have a common goal. Our liquor is but a symptom. It's just a symptom. It actually was more than a symptom. It was this treatment. We, we were treating our personality disorder with alcohol. Was it working? Did it work? No. Did anybody think we should have just drank more? We didn't do enough of it. We would have gotten better if we just drank more or drank less or whatever. Nobody laughed. All right. So we had to get down to causes and conditions. Oh to the causes and conditions of our condition. What's the cause and condition of my life being unmanageable? What's the causes and conditions of it? Because as long as my life's unmanageable, I'm gonna drink. Because we drink to treat the unmanageable life, right? We get irritable, restless, and discontent. We don't like the way things are going. Our emotions build up and we drink. So we have to get down to the causes and conditions of our life. So that's the instruction so far. They're not very complicated, are they? So it says, therefore, we start upon a personal inventory. This was step four. It's in italics. Because you know we're alcoholics. They want us to know. This was step four. Now notice they had done it, so it's in the past. And remember what they had. They had recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. So I want to follow their instructions because I have a hopeless condition of mind and body. And if I do what they did and I want to have what they got, then I will have recovered from my disease. And alcohol won't dominate my life and I have a power to live and I have a design for living that worked. Now when new people come in, they're surprised when we don't want to hear their design for living. We don't want to hear their plan, right? It didn't work. Now, AA says, you, don't, we don't, you can have a plan and you don't have to do this. But if your plan and your way of life will not work, please try this. And then tell us the result. And then it's a testimony. They gave their testimony and we hear testimony at meetings and from other people and how this worked. So now they're going to tell us what the inventory involves. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. And I would say that I was broke when I came in here. And I can be broke today if I want. I have to take an inventory, a regular inventory of my thinking. And it says taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. I went to the food store today and they have to restock the shelves. You ever see them? They stock. Now they're not going out and ordering the stuff that nobody wants. They're restocking the stuff that people bought. 
Now, I made a mistake. I kept stalking the thing that was killing me. I kept holding on to the things that were killing me, and I didn't want to let go because I didn't understand that that was, because I couldn't see the facts and find the fa face the facts. So that's how, if you do the instructions that they lay out here, you put it on paper, you will see the facts, you will face the facts. And why? Because I want to discover the truth about the stock and trade. I want to look at the things in my thinking, and it says one object of this process is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods. Now, Joe and Charlie made the point that we have quick shops in Topeka. What do we call them? I don't even know. Anyway, you buy gas and you go inside and they have all the chips and all the beef jerky and everybody as you think in there. And, and that's your resentments. And then, and then on the shelves, you know, the cooler where they have the beer and the diet sodas and all that, that's fear. That's, that's taking up that whole space. Think of that as your mind, resentment, fear. And then don't worry, there's a room in the back for our shame and guilt. Now, if that's our mind when I come in here, and that was my mind, God can't work in that mind. God can't work today in my life if I have resentment for the time that I have it, or if I'm in fear, God's not working. So we're gonna disclose the damage or unsellable goods. We're gonna clean up our quick shop. I told the story about the garage that it had been you know, full for 10 years and I got the dumpster and in three hours we got all the stuff out of there. 10 years I let it stay there. It was clear in three hours. I said, why did I do that five years ago? But I don't want to do that with my thinking when I come in here because I'll die. You see, we could do it with some areas of our life, but not with our, our inventory. If the owner of the business, and I want to get rid of them promptly and without regret. Now, I can't ask God to remove them if I don't see that they're damaged and unsellable, right? And I can't have regret about it. I want to let go of them. And then we're talking about six and seven, which we do all the time. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. That's why you don't do it by yourself. And you don't do it in your mind. You don't, you don't think you're four-step. You get it? Because you're thinking it with a sick mind. You have to put it on paper. Because once it's on paper, it's there. And you have to be honest. We have to do the, we're going to do the same thing with my lives. I'm going to look at my life, and I'm going to take stock honestly. The instructions are pretty simple so far, aren't they? So here's the first thing you do. You're going to search out the flaws in my makeup which caused my failure. What are the flaws in me? Now, we're talking about my character defects, but we're talking about my flaws in thinking, my, my, see, my wrong judgment, which is resentment. Anybody have that in the room? Anybody have it today? My wrong belief, which is fear, and my wrong actions, which caused my shame and guilt. So those are the only three things we're going to inventory in the fourth step. We're going to inventory my harmful actions, especially in sex relationship. We're going to look at my fears, and we're going to look at my resentments. So being convinced itself, I'm convinced itself, manifested in various ways, had defeated me. That's why I made the third step decision to stop playing God, right? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Because I, 
when I'm in self, I have wrong judgment, wrong belief, and wrong actions. When God's the center of my life, I don't have, I have his judgments on things and his belief and his actions. He's directing my life. And it's that simple, but you have to work at it and practice to allow that to happen. And that's what step 10 is, how we do that every day. Then at step 11, we inventory at night how well we're constantly seeking every day to continue to do it, but the, we're going to start in step four. So it says, being convinced itself manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. We consider its common manifestations. The manifestations of self. Now I have that chart, which I didn't bring today. I'm getting old. Where we have the three instincts of life, and then we have self at the center. And then we have wrong judgment, which is resentment. And I'll bring those in on Saturday. And so the first thing we're going to inventory is resentment. And it's the number one offender. It's the number one offender in blocking me from God. An offense is like a criminal offense. You committed an offense. You did a, a harmful act. The offender against my relationship with God, my peace of mind, my being not in conflict with everybody and everything is resentment. Now, I have met people, and I'm going to stop soon. Uh, well, I could probably go a few more minutes. They're timing me today for those listening or nothing. And uh, the, I uh, forgot what I was going to say. Um, we, uh, we, we offend our, our, we're killing ourselves when we have resentment. We're really, I'm blocking myself. I'm the one that's miserable. When I get irritated at somebody, they give, I give them power over me. And then they run my life, and then God can't run it. So it's the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. It destroyed me. My whole life, I was always finding someone that uh, to be bothered by. A lot of them, because I thought they, th they were better than me. It sounds so crazy. Or I thought they thought they were better than me. Didn't matter. And so my low self-esteem, my pride, um, I, was, I, was, I was constantly uh, uh, insecure, and so I would judge others to protect myself. I didn't do it to everybody, but I can see it. I can see a pattern. And, and it stem, from it stems all, and how does it destroy alcoholics? One, when you, if an alcoholic goes and starts drinking after coming to AA, they didn't relapse, they're just still living in their self-centered world. And when we live in a self-centered world, we drink. And they're not bad, we're not better than them, they just are not living in the spiritual solution. So when we're not in the spiritual solution, if we live there long enough, we're alcoholics, we'll drink. It happened to me. Happen to any of us in the room. And so we have to understand that. From it stems all form of spiritual dis-ease. Now we say disease, I say dis-ease. I'm at dis-ease with the spirit. So a disease is when we're dis-ease, like if we had disease of the liver. The liver's not at, there's something wrong with the liver. That's how it came from the spiritual disease. And for I have not been only mentally and physically ill. Now, I was physically ill uh, with the world. I was in conflict with everybody. 
I was physically ill, just physically, from what I'd done to my body, and I was not um, at peace with people. I was mentally ill because my thinking was, was way out there, and I believed everything I thought, and it was self-centered. I didn't know that when I came in here. And so, how do I get retreat my physical illness? I'd, I'd work the steps that I do eight and nine, and then I put my life in order with the world and people, and my fear of people. You see that? So I'm, I heal myself with the physical world. How do I treat my mental illness? My mental illness is what we're looking at now, my thinking, and how my thinking was not right. You know why? I wasn't a bad person. I had one, the wrong manager, me. And then I had this voice that was in my head all the time that was telling me things. And then I'd listen to that voice. And then I heard this brilliant talk. I had to just stop what I was doing when I heard this. He said, he learned that he doesn't listen to his thinker. When, they say, when his thinker tells me that I need to get disturbed or irritated, he says to his thinker, what's your source of information? And so when I'm getting upset, what's my source of information? Me, my self-centered head. And so I'm going to stop there, and then we're going to look at resentment instructions uh, on uh, Saturday. So thank you.